Category is mental health. Category is it takes a village. Category is motherfucking stories over stigma. Welcome back to another week. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Woo, my mic was a little hot. Uh, wow, it's been a week. We've had crazy weather. It was 60 degrees one day, 30 the next day. You know, it's just kind of erratic, kind of like global, uh, the global world we live in right now. So um, I hope everyone is warm and, you know, lots of thoughts and prayers to our um, listeners in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, you guys are having a time right now and we're with you in spirit and uh, hopefully in truth as well. Yeah, that's horribly sad. Yeah, it's it's a um it's a, it's it's a hot h o t t t t t mess. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I um I, I I know that uh I know that um we you know, we just can't underscore, you know, the importance of just being safe and being mindful and watching where you're going and and hopefully just remaining out of like harm's way and into i think over, like 145 people i think died re, um you know maybe it's climbed but i'm sure it's more than that yeah i just i'm really sorry really sorry about that um you know to kind of take a pause on that for a second because i'm sure you know um tonight we have our two guest co-hosts joining us joelle Milatis, uh who is a superstar and so is amy deramus both superstars so they're joining us tonight but you were telling me a story in boston about a someone in boston who had their legs amputated from food can you please talk about trauma people uh, like can you just en- enlighten us Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, these the young kids or these kids. I won't call them. They're like twenty or something, like college age kids. Um, they they went out one night and they got Chinese takeout and they went home and they ate it and all was good. And then um, they left it out all night and um. They both woke up the next day and ate some more. Um, One of them got ill, like just food poisoning ill, you know, throwing up. And the other one also got food poisoning ill, but like everything just went wrong. Like he was sick, like he had food poisoning and then like he couldn't breathe properly and he lost feeling in his feet and his hands and every everything was going wrong. So they took him to the hospital and his organs were shutting down. Um, and they ended up having to amputate um, both his legs because he ate bad Chinese food. I mean, they said that it's like a very rare thing for it to happen. So it's not like we all have to be worried about eating old Chinese food. But um, was he was he vaccinated, though? No, he had 
Like, I'm talking about, like, his normal vaccines, like. He didn't have one of them. It was, like, Unicaucus or something. Which U- one is that? Unicaucus. Uni- mu-, mu. It started with an M. Oh, the, the it was, what like, the, the, the measles one? Was it like the measles one? I, I, I don't know. I, I just, can you imagine like all you did was leave your Chinese food out and all of a sudden the next day or the next couple days, they're amputating your legs. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I, I just can't even believe it. I mean, you know, like, and, and like poor bloke, like imagine how he feels right now. <laughs> Like, you know, all like I just I, ate bad Chinese food. Yeah. Like, you know what? I remember when I went to New York um, when I was in college. So I go to Manhattan and I go to McDonald's. But that was my first mistake. And I order a breakfast sandwich, which we've all done because, like, it's like crack and addicting. And then by the time. Say that. By the time. Oh, hold on. Oh, the menococcal. That's the meningitis, I think. So. That's the one that he didn't have. He he had it, but he hadn't gotten all of it because that's one of the ones that you have to have, like, your boosters and stuff at certain oh, ages. Man. So he hadn't had his, like, his last dose. Right. And so that's that's basically what happened is he got meningitis. I, I would I would just die. Let me just tell you, I'd just die. He almost died. Yeah, I, I would have. I would have just died. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I probably shouldn't say this with two therapists, like our, <laughs> our guest co-host coming on. Like I didn't say it like Stephen. Do we need to like get this thing, you know, done, reported, get you in to see someone, get the boss out? I mean, honestly, he he came out pretty good because if you went from organ failure to just losing a couple limbs. Yeah, but imagine it's low main. We're not talking like you don't even have a good yeah. story to tell, hot girl. You know, like you could say, yeah, you know, Is I was in the war. Really? That's what guys think about. Like, oh. okay, you know, I I was in the war, and like, yeah, I got my legs blown off. That's like, oh, that's so sweet. Not I ate low main that I sat on a counter all night. I mean, he could say whatever he wants to say. Uh, that's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, look, let's um, let's since we're doing current events and we have our friends on this week, it's great. Joel, 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 how are you? Hey, hey, everybody, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm excellent. And then without our other guest co-host, because of course, Joel, it, both of you are so busy, and if we try to commit you to every week, you'd be like, "Look, dude, like I'm traveling coast to coast." <laughs> um, is that is Amy? Well, yeah, Joel's going coast to coast. Amy's grading papers. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when you have intelligent, high profile, highly productive friends, they're busy. Like, you know, you can never see them like when you try to have brunch or have a Super Bowl uh, party. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> knife, knife out of back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so I understand. How are you? Welcome, ladies. Thank you. How are you? Good. It's good to hear your voice. It's been so long. I see you online. You're already always posting. And Joelle, I see I mean, you guys are just like super busy. I mean, I guess I'm the one to talk, but you two are just super busy. Well, how are things? Uh, good. So someone's gonna have to tell me. Okay, so we were talking about current events, and we kind of paused mm-hmm. on it. And we were talking about what was going on in um, in the Ukraine. And we're just like our thoughts and prayers are with everyone. I don't know if you both either one of you have clients that are, you know, have deep connections uh, to Eastern Europe right now. But I mean, I don't know, you know, how you even work through something like this, you know, it's it's just really tough. I know that's not the topic for the night, but it's kind of like current events time. 
I mean, it is. And also a lot of people are just feeling this is one more way in which the world is falling apart. And is it ever going to go back together? Mm-hmm. And just, yeah. you know, in some cases, trying to help them not catastrophize. And in other cases, just recognizing, you know, okay, it's true, but you also don't have to be attentive to every part of it. So a lot of it is media management. How much do you need to know? Where can you help? And if there's a place where, you know, you don't need to know and there's nothing you can do to help, how much of that do you really want to pay attention to? Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, help where you can have the basic info you, info you need, but maybe give yourself permission to, you know, withdraw when it starts to get a little too overwhelming. Wow. That's interesting. Joelle, yeah. what do you say? Yeah, no, that that's great, great advice. And, and I think we, we give the same, the same skills. We, we do have, um, um, active duty military reservists, veterans um, in our practice. And so, you know, trying to manage, like you said, Amy, you know, people's expectations um, and generational trauma yeah. from, from people who are saying, hey, this reminds me of the time when my family fled mm-hmm. or my family had to fight. And, and so mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of it and, and just doing a lot of, of check-ins as far as where are people at. And like you said, can we turn off the news? Can we unplug mm-hmm. for a while? I mean, it's kind of overwhelming because, I'm, I mean, it, it's the same for Stephen too. I mean, you're Gen X, but as a millennial, this is like one more life changing historic event in our Mm -hmm. life and it's like I'm kind of tired of living through history like can we just have a quiet (laughs) like can we just have a quiet few months like no pandemics no wars no Mm -hmm. nothing going on nothing well you know for for, for those people who actually were forced to go to bible study or either um, Hebrew school if they were Jewish in the Torah you look at the Old Testament and they talk about the garden or they talk about early like Genesis like life everything sounds so good like mm-hmm. that's what I want I want tranquility and, and that's why it's even sometimes hard to believe like is this a parable for something else like like seriously when have we ever had peace on earth or like it's so tranquil we're all getting along mm-hmm. and um, yeah it's 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 really it's it's tough right now just because I'm, <clears throat> I think when, like she said, you know, here we are again, and we could be on the verge of World War Three, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's got to be triggering to folks who, you know, are already struggling with some sort of mental health mm-hmm. challenges, or at least those that are in high stress jobs as well. Well, mm-hmm. and think about, think about your kids, like the Gen Z generation. You know, we have a sixteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the news thinking a war is going to happen. And granted, we probably never get to a draft, but it is a possibility. It has happened before. And, you know, he's two years away from that actually being an issue for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, it's t- and, and, you know, my son will be 22 um, in April. And, and having gone through that with him during the, the post 9-11 conflicts and wars you know it was terrifying as a parent um you know what what does this actually mean and then and then is it is it irrational beliefs right or unrealistic thoughts or is it is it rational fears and yet it overtakes us right and we keep spinning on Mm -hmm. it and spinning Mm -hmm. on it Mm. you know Hmm. right and i'm old enough to remember like the very early 80s so i can just remember when it felt like 
this a lot of the times between the U.S. and Russia before. Mm -hmm. And I was in that place where I was tiny, so I was like just old enough that to understand that there was something very, very scary going on, but not old enough to truly understand it. Just like I remember having like when I was tiny, like a phobic level fear of communists mm -hmm. mm. based mm -hmm. on things I'd seen on the news, but, you know, didn't have the maturity to kind of put it in any, any kind of context. Mm -hmm. Well, and Amy, I think, I mean, we're all pretty much around the same age. You remember mm -hmm. when the movie Red Dawn came out? Yeah. Um, I, all of us should, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, ever yeah. watched it uh -huh. or the new version, but that was really a, f a fear that mm -hmm. Russia was going to invade America. Mm -hmm. And I wonder to what extent is, you know, are, you know, young people who knows, but worried about the same thing. I mean, we just don't know, but it's still traumatizing mm -hmm. to see people living their day, their lives every day. They mm -hmm. look like us. They have modern clothes. They have cars. They, mm -hmm. they're not, it's not a, 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 it's not a poor country as they say, but it's a thriving, you know, young democracy. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden there are jets and bombs mm -hmm. and sirens going off and people right. living in subways. Like that is tough. Mm -hmm. And I know from, just from our kids, you know, the thing that I'm hearing, especially from our oldest, is, um, you know, like, he's been looking up, like, nuclear war. Like, mm -hmm. what, does the, what does an atomic bomb do? And how do you survive an atomic bomb? Because we're just outside of D.C. And it's like, oh, God, 16-year-olds shouldn't have to go through this. But, like, mm -hmm. that's reality right now. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like... It's, it's almost like the Cold War where everyone is on edge because mm -hmm. of, you know, the nuclear aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that generational trauma, too, you know, right. where. Wow, yeah. Right, where it's it's generation after generation and we're socialized with these beliefs. And, and for for some people, right, they've experienced fleeing their country and going to a new country and or coming to the United States and and you know just I think this re-experiencing of having to watch it on every media platform mm -hmm. can be you know can be re-traumatizing mm -hmm. well I mean I can't lie I mean the, you know the the first night that I that I stayed, I stayed up, it was right 12 or one o'clock in the morning. It was beyond that. Steven doesn't know how to turn it off. Yeah. So just like how you That's true. ladies were saying, you know, you got to know when to like back away from it. So you mm -hmm. don't like get obsessive upon it. He doesn't have that in his brain. Um, And so he stayed up until well after two o'clock in the morning. 3 a.m. Yeah. Watching mm -hmm. the news yeah. and, you know, the well, breaking news of them entering Ukraine and. I know. And, and in the middle of the night, I'm yelling out expletives and she's like, what's wrong? I'm yeah. like, they're bombing now. <laughs> and I'm just like, I really need to back off and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. But like, I couldn't. And you know what? You speaking of generational trauma or youth or bringing back to a different time. I can remember when the first President Bush, mm -hmm. um, when we were, was it Desert, Desert Storm? Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember him. the distinct moment when that happened and when it started. And I felt the same feeling when this started. And mm -hmm. it's so funny that how it lives so deep within you and you don't even realize it. Yeah, you don't know it's there. And then this, you know, unlike all of that, like those were during otherwise relatively good times, you know, kind of mm -hmm. the decadence and the party spirit of the 80s and then the 90s. But this is totally different because not only is that same feeling getting dug up, 
for the people old enough to remember it, but it's on top of so many different other traumas that have happened over the last two or three years. Yeah. I'm right. telling you COVID and all of its versions mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's, it's been really tough. And mm -hmm. knowing how to deal with living in this exist in, in, during these times um, is probably the point of the show today, mm -hmm. right? Because today we're talking about, what is it we're talking about? Remind, remind everyone, <laughs> honey. Parental guilt. Parental guilt, which is also kind of links back to boundaries and also how to mm -hmm. manage this whole environment. So, I mean, let's see. We'll, let's see. I'll play my little transition. Okay. Okay, that's enough. We've so, all heard it before. But <laughs> <laughs> um, what made me think of this for our show today is, um, you know, just about every woman that we interview, um, the subject comes around if you have a mental illness on if you're going to have kids, if you want to have kids, mm -hmm. do you already have kids? And there's always that fear of, what if I give them this? You know, what What if I screw up their life mm -hmm. with this? And so when, when our oldest got his diagnosis of ADD, it was like, okay, you know, that's manageable. Mm -hmm. And it's not shocking that he had it because both Stephen and I pretty much had symptoms of it when we were kids. We can mm -hmm. look back and say, yeah, we probably should have been diagnosed with that. But, you know, now he's going through, you know depression and intrusive thoughts and um so it's a little bit more than adhd we think and then um our youngest has been sick recently and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with him and he's you know he's been making his stomach has been hurting um and we kind of came to the conclusion that he's he's stressing himself out mm -hmm. um his he has anxiety and it's you know it's making him physically ill and i went through the same thing right around his age and mm -hmm. so i guess a couple weeks ago like it just kind of hit me that like i've screwed up my children yeah she really felt mm -hmm. it bad like i mean deep down in she was mm -hmm. i mean i don't feel if you don't mind me sharing you were in tears you were mm -hmm. You were, I mean, just upset. And I told him, you know, I mean, from my perspective, our parents, that's what their jobs are, are to like give us something that we have to work on. And like, <laughs> and like, what would life be? You know, and I tried to, and I tried to exact that just to be cheeky about it. But at the same time, so you can't, it's all, it's all the luck of the draw, right? And you don't hold yourself to that standard that somehow you did something. That's just the way that it happened and it happened genetically. And like, you know, I don't know. That's just, I, I was trying to make her feel better. It didn't make her feel better. It didn't. Well, because, yes, okay, you can have two people without the genetic component and you can still get a kid with anxiety. I understand that. But having a mother with mental illness makes you more prone to it. You know, you're more mm -hmm. likely to get it. And I think what gets me is it's just, especially with my youngest, it's like I remember being that kid. Like, I remember being sick all the time and nobody knew what was wrong with me. And I had test after test after test done on me mm -hmm. and they never figured it out. And then eventually they just kind of gave up and said, oh, well. Um, mm -hmm. 
So it it's just kind of scary because, you know, I remember being that kid. I remember being sick at school and not knowing what was wrong with me. And it's kind of great. So since you guys are all on right now, my our two favorite people in the whole world who helps <laughs> us tackle and take on this issue through the summit, through good conversation, through your books, um, perhaps we can open up that dialogue mm-hmm. about um, you know, you know, and when you said parental guilt, I kind of was thinking the whole other thing, but that's we can get to that too as a subtopic. Um, you know, you know, Amy, why don't you lead off um, at least talking about like some of your ideas and strategies, and Joelle, jump in as you see fit. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to mind is that you know, yeah, that's a big decision. Do you want to have children? when you have a mental illness. And there's kind of that part of you that's like, I really don't want to pass this pain on. But then some people I know with my clients and other people I've talked to have also been like, okay, but if I really believe that people who have a mental illness still have a lot of value as human beings, then it becomes a different question. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also we're in the middle of an entire culture that's asking that question, not just because of mental illness, but because of what they're seeing about humanity from COVID. And also there's an entire level of eco-anxiety. If I have children, um, ecologically, what world are they going to grow up in? So Mm -hmm. this is not just a personal question, but a big cultural question. And a question of, you know, what makes a human life have value? Mm. Um, That's interesting. So if you're asking these questions, you have a lot of company right now. Like they're already eco-anxiety support therapy groups. Joelle? Yeah, I would, it's, it's, I think it's such a complex set of, a complex problem set where if you're on medication, right, do you have to stop taking medication if you mm-hmm. want to be pregnant, you know, or, and what about breastfeeding? There's so many components to mm-hmm. Things to feel stigmatized, you know, ostracized and traumatized by. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't use those three words lightly. I think, you know, it's it's all of this parental, I see it as, as parental guilt or, or, you know, classically mom guilt. If I don't breastfeed, what does that mean? If I go back to work, what does that mean? If mm-hmm. I, you know, if I can't manage because I have, you know, I'm having a manic episode. What does that mean? And then the guilt and the shame that that just mm-hmm. comes into to this, you know, to all of that. I mean, shame is a good word for it. I mean, that's definitely part of what I was feeling. And, you know, exactly what you said, Amy, is what my therapist said. She was mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you have a good life. So they'll have a good life. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, but I don't agree with you. You know, like mm-hmm. my head, like logically, I know that. But, you know, in, in that moment, it was, you know, I really was upset with myself. And it's like, mm-hmm. I really, you know, I didn't know I had a mental illness when we had our oldest, but like, I I knew with our youngest. And it's like, I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have had him like, you know, and, and now he's going to go through life and he's going to struggle with this stuff. And, you know, that that worries me and that bothers me because I don't want anybody I love to have to hurt the way I did. Yeah. But there's also, you know, so, so much more than, and I, and I understand where you're coming from that you more than anybody knows exactly what he's going through. Like you said, you were that kid. Mm-hmm. 
at the same time, there are important things about you, you know, talents, courage, accomplishments. And, you know, this podcast is big. It has a huge influence. He'll do things that show what an amazing human being he is too. Yeah. And maybe at the same time that, you know, he's going to have pain. Maybe he should all, he should also have had the chance to see what he can do. Yeah. And, and Steven made a good point that night that I was really going through it is, you know, his point was who better to have these children Mm -hmm. with these problems and these challenges than somebody who has these problems and Mm -hmm. these challenges. Yeah. Great yeah, point. I, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, you could be like, you can be a parent who's sort of a uh, passive and dismissive about mental illness mm-hmm. and say, you know, you'll be okay. Just get some rest or it, it's all in your brain. Just, mm-hmm. um, or you can get one that gets angry about it. I mean, she's so patient with them when it, when it comes to these issues where I'm not as <laughs> patient, I'm not saying patient, but I'm I'm more of the line of okay, all right. Let's not up like for example, and I'm I'm probably need to get slapped for this, mm-hmm. but our youngest one came in and he was talking about his anxieties, mm-hmm. and so every so Re- Rebecca went down the list and said, well, you have good grades. Well, I'm worried about this. Well, this is fine. You've turned this in. This is an A. You have all A's and B's. But then he goes, but what if I fail? And no matter what she said, he had an objection. Mm -hmm. And then I just said, George Arthur, I I understand that you're frustrated, but what I'm going to need you to do is to not – like focus on the negative so much and stop worrying about the negative. And then I even answered my own question. I said, I know that's easier said than done. Right. So I'm sitting here talking to him and I'm feeling a little, little, little frustrated Mm -hmm. because I'm watching him. I feel like I'm point to the negative instead of realizing like, Oh, I have A's and B's. I'm doing really well. He thought he was going to fail science, but he's not failing science. He's a 90% in science. Like he's obsessed with success. And he mm-hmm. thinks that his school r- requires him to maintain a high level of success. So you telling him to get out of his head and to stop thinking about the negative, to me, equates to you telling a depressed person, you have a good life. Just cheer up. Like, that's right. not going to solve right, right. Your- <laughs> depression. <laughs> right, exactly. And okay, so J- Jessica, uh, Jessica, who's in the studio, said yes. Your kid will be better off having your support, empathy, um, and, and love. love through his struggle. And absolutely, I, I feel like I've given him that. And um, but deep on the inside, I'm just telling you that, like, I was just like, why are you focusing on the negative? Because <laughs> that's what his brain yeah. does. And. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, so, it's it's like you can't you can't win, right? Anything yeah. you say is di- is dismissive, right? It's dismissed. I mean, yes. you know, it's like, um, yeah, that's really terrible. It sounds like you're really having a hard time. You don't understand, or yep. exactly, you know, I, right? Or I understand. And how about we focus on all of the accomplishments that you 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 know you have? No, you don't get it. What if I fail? Like it's yep. so right. <laughs> like you can't you can't win. And I think that's 
for me, like the parental guilt piece isn't so much in those moments where I'm like, maybe I handled that situation wrong. It's the moments of walking away from it. And then I feel guilty that they have to deal with it in the first place. And I think Rebecca, that's what you were kind of getting at, right? And that's, that's the, that was exactly it. You know, it's like, I am patient and, and I can help them through it and I can walk them through it. But as soon as I leave the interaction, it's like, this is my fault. Yeah. And I I know that every parent goes through that. Oh my God, I've screwed up my kid kind of thing. Like that, that's normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it hits home a lot differently when your kid gets your illness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. When, when you watch, you know, like I watch my children struggle with, with, you know, being anxious or, or doubting themselves or, or not, you know, like you said, that ruminating thoughts and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is learned behavior. Like they got this from me and and that, and, and I think that's where it sets in. Well, I, I, I think to some degree, like our youngest watches or watched his mom go through school and obsess on constantly making straight A's. And when she got a B, she would freak out. And everyone's like, what's wrong with mom? I'm like, she got a B. And that kind of pressure, I think George Arthur, or our youngest, just kind of took that to heart. Mm-hmm. That he just thinks he has to perform all the time. Because mom is magna, or cum laude, or was magna mm-hmm. cum laude in the other school. Um, and mom goes to, you know, you know, works, and mom does this, and mom does, I need to do it too as well. And you feel... <laughs> You feel like such a hypocrite. I'm sitting here telling him, I'm like, bees are fine. Bees are perfectly <laughs> fine. But then yet I get a bee and I'm in school and I'm upset and like trying to figure out what I could have done better and like mm-hmm. down on myself. But here I am telling my child, no, it's fine. You can get a bee. It's like I had like the C's get degrees like thought. Like I was like, <laughs> I got a C plus and I was like, or B minus. I was like, score. Yeah. <laughs> Dad was very much all I need is a C to get by. But that be undergrad. I mean, you know, when I actually entered into grad school, I took it very seriously, and like I would obsess. Um, you know, so I, I do get it. I do I do get it at that point. But yeah, but I mean, when I was his age, I was. I mean, like I said, I was I was happy with the C's. You were happy just to do just get by. Just to get by, I was happy because I was all about socializing for me. Mm-hmm. It was all about seeing my friends, and, and so you know, but. Yeah, this is a different crew here with my family. It's a different crew. And I think to go back to what Joelle said, I, you know, it starts at pregnancy because I, I remember being there too. It was like, can I take this medication, you know, while I'm pregnant? Is it going to hurt the baby? Can I breastfeed? Are we going to have to bottle mm-hmm. feed? And I was on the mictal, and so that carries a risk of cleft palate and spinal bifida. So we mm. had to go through the whole pregnancy having all these extra ultrasounds and stuff to see if he was developing properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that alone was frightening, you know, because it's like, you know, we had a great doctor and he was like, he comes out with a cleft palate. I'm going to take him into surgery right away and he'll never know he had it. You know, we were prepared for it, but like... You know, you go nine months waiting to see if your kid's going to come out right. So I think the medication Mm -hmm. and pregnancy part, you know, that's a big stress for a lot of women. 
as well as just how you're doing and kind of what condition emotionally you'll be in by the time he's born Mm -hmm. to be able to take care of him. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. the whole other part. It's like, you know, I I have this whole human now that I am in charge mm-hmm. of. Like, I, I can't break down anymore. Like, I can't fall apart. And what happens if I do? Now this baby human is is hurting because of me. So I think a lot of stress goes in to becoming a mom when you have a mental health issue. And, and definitely mm-hmm. when you're on any kind of medication. That's true. And Joelle has kids. And so you've been through Mm -hmm. it. And Amy, in a way, I mean, you've worked with a lot of families Mm -hmm. before. And so you've seen this type of uh, complexity in the family. And maybe Joelle, you've even experienced it and had to be a therapist for it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it goes back to like, we started, you know, with these, these ruminating thoughts about the news, right? It's, it's the same, the same thing, you know, what, what am I bringing my child into? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, it's that politics, it's, it's war, it's COVID, it's the environment, it lack of resources, mental illness, you know, it, it, I think it's, it feels like it's the same type of vibe, right? It, it's that same anxiety and the, that rumination that happens. And then, um, like, you know, like Amy was saying, you know, there, mm-hmm. there sometimes isn't necessarily a solution other than what's best for you and, and the long game, your health over nine months, your health over baby's first year, your health over the life, you know what I mean? That the, the time that you're going to have a, a child at home, right? Mm-hmm. What is that going to look like? Yeah. Go ahead, Amy. I'm sorry. And then when you're trying to take care of somebody and there are times when, you know, you're pretty helpless in the face of something that's much bigger than the two of you. Mm -hmm. And all you can ever really do is, you know, be a witness to what's going on with them and let them know that, you know, you care and what's happening to them is important. And then people see them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just I, validate their worth when you can't change anything about their circumstances. Yeah, but, and I think that you know we've we've tried to do that a lot yeah. with the boys. You know, it's you know especially you know it's it's one of those like I find myself trying to explain to them why they feel this way. Like especially mm-hmm. with our youngest, it was like okay, he's very much a science nerd. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, you know, your nervous system and you know, fight or flight and mm-hmm. like anxiety is that kicking it. And just like hoping that maybe if I explain it to him, it's not quite as scary mm-hmm. when he starts feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the parts I love about the science piece is it can be destigmatizing. This is not you being, this part of it isn't you having something wrong with you, this is how the human brain works. And that mm-hmm. sucks sometimes. Evolution is very far from being a perfect game, but it's important to know that you're not having this reaction because there's something wrong with you at this moment, but because that's how human brains work. And you know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I often wondered from a neurological perspective, like mm-hmm. what makes a young person that age like what? What are the triggers? Like why? Why is they're my different life- for everyone? Yeah, mm-hmm. 
you know, what, what, what in their brain, like misfires or fires that causes them to have such anxiety, but like, cause our youngest doesn't even sleep. I mean, yeah, he gets always, himself, he gets himself worked up at night. I mean, literally, he worries about school and stuff so much that he can't sleep. Or like the other day, we thought he he made himself sick in school. But that's mm-hmm. pretty typical, right? Like, when does your brain get to you? It's when things are quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you get that even with stress from work and stuff. It's it's when everything gets quiet and you don't have any more distractions around you mm-hmm. that you get caught up in your own head. Yeah, you feel it. That's true. Yeah. I mean, everywhere, everybody's talking about the dangers of stress, but not those moments that can be even more dangerous mm-hmm. when there isn't mm-hmm. anything you can focus on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a scary time, mm-hmm. too. That is a scary time. So mm-hmm. what did you think I meant when I said parental guilt? You said you thought it was something completely different. Well, because I know that you are wrapping up that project that I don't know when you're when you can talk about mm-hmm. it. And and I read the story about, you know, and I thought it was more to do with when your parent realizes you have this mental illness, right? And from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And and sort of the guilt that they didn't do enough. That's what I was thinking. I mean, that's a very good point. And that's something that, you know, Joelle and Amy can talk about is, you know, how how do you confront your trauma or deal with your trauma, but keep that relationship with the person who kind of helped you make this like help you get this trauma right like if if you had they stood a, by and let it happen yeah they stood by and let it happen and it's like you know i love my parents to death and i want to have a relationship with them but sometimes it's hard to look at them and be like how did you not know like mm-hmm. how did you how why did you ignore it you know especially after having my own kids go through it because it's like we see everything like you can tell like right. why couldn't you tell and so it's this very frustrating thing to to try and deal with your trauma and the people who let your trauma happen. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I think Joelle's point about generational trauma, you know, what was going on with them? What tools were they given? I mean, one thing we forget, honestly, let's face it, we all know where babies usually come from. Mm-hmm. You don't come out with a training manual attached to your ankle. So we've got this cultural expectation that parents always know what to do. And that's a Victorian era fantasy. You know, going back to the days of Freud and Queen Victoria, that if you're a proper, real woman, you automatically know exactly how to mom. Mm -hmm. And if you're a proper, real man, you automatically know exactly how to dad. And that's what we're getting from, like, the mid-19th century. Mm -hmm. Um, Such patriarchy and such Right. And we're still stuck with that. And what we forget Mm -hmm. is, you know, yeah, some people adopt, some people foster, but basically your only job qualification is that you had sex mm-hmm. and there's no right. cultural support for learning how to parent. You have to just sit there, you know, feel like you're screwing up, um, maybe get some books from the library or some videos or take a class. But most people don't even do that because deep down they believe that if they were real proper parents, they'd be able to solve all this, like on a 1950s TV show. And that's not the reality. So I feel that like there's a cultural level lack of support for 
the very real fact that people are learning how to be parents mm. very much as they go. And if you want resources to help you learn, you have to go find those because nobody's going to hand them to you. Mm-hmm. And your parents were the same way, you know, except with an even less open society that, you know, a lot of the things we know now about mental illness probably weren't even known back then. Um, I can remember the days when people thought that, say, people with schizophrenia didn't actually have any emotions. Mm -hmm. There were still people saying that, like, way back when I was just starting in this. And then, you know, when I was younger, you know, people with autism don't understand the thing we're saying in front of them. Yeah. So all the different ways in which people are stumbling through parenting. And, jo- and you know, and it's so funny you say that, Amy, because Joel mm-hmm. brought up something really interesting um, when we were talking about a few weeks ago about the pastor who was talking about that autism is nothing but what? Uh, demon possession. D- demon mm-hmm. possession. And you talked about oh, how God. early we are. And Joel, you said something pretty like profound I thought was pretty cool um, in your post in response to that. Do you want to just kind of bring everyone up to speed on that? Uh, if I if, if I can remember what I said, um. see, see that's that's the mark of brilliance. The mark of brilliance is that it can you know it comes out organically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I, I I I will look it up while we're talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was I was thinking I was listening to Amy. Um, as Amy was explaining it, and I keep thinking about the difference between the, this, you know, Car- Dr. Carol Dweck's growth mindset, this mm-hmm. open mind versus a closed mind, where parents who have an open mind are continuing to look for resources, to reflect, to to figure out, you know, how to adjust and, and accommodate what their children need. And, and Parents that have a closed mindset are doing what their parents did. And, and so often I hear, well, it was good enough for my, you know, it was good enough for my dad. It was good enough mm-hmm. for my mom. Um, and, and these messages that, mm-hmm. you know, these subconscious messages, but very conscious messages that we get. And so at what point do you draw, does one draw the line between this trauma is, something that happened and and yet my parents did what they could to protect to protect me from mm-hmm. it right they they intervened at school when i was being bullied and making something up right but you know they intervened when i was being bullied they they were there to take me to the doctor when my tummy hurt they they mm-hmm. did all of these things not knowing versus parents who um have this generational trauma of Const, you know, of, of generational sexual abuse, mm-hmm. right? Well, I'm going to turn and I'm going to turn a blind eye to it because it happened to me. It happened to my siblings. So, you know, of course it's going to happen to you. Like, mm-hmm. it, wh- where's that line, right. you know? And family comes first. We don't want to blow up the whole family over one person's pain. Mm-hmm. No, you're the parent. You're kind of supposed to do that. Um, yeah, you're supposed to blow it up when that happens. Yeah. Right. Like, but, like, it's I not hear no- that a lot from my clients. Like, they just didn't want to ruin the family. They didn't want this one thing that was happening to me to, you know, ruin the family reunion or ruin their mm-hmm. relationships with other relatives. Right. Family business is family business, right? Uh-huh. You keep it private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stays in the house. Stays in the family. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and then, and, yeah. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no. 
just it, yeah, I was going to say exactly as Joelle said, that sense of like, well, it was good enough for me. And, you know, why shouldn't my child have the same? Maybe not with sex abuse, hopefully, but just, you know, with parenting style. You know, what is it saying about my parents? Am I being rude to my parents or disloyal to my parents if I decide to parent differently? I remember that when I went through a stressful time like a few years ago mm -hmm. and then I started talking about the fact that I was um, that I went through sexual abuse mm -hmm. and I remember some of the response from family members was, well, you should have let us know first that you were going to talk about it publicly or, mm -hmm. you know, right. I'm going to deny it because this is family business and it should not be talked about mm -hmm. outside of the family. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? No one thought about my feelings when this was going on. Right. X, X and X. No one cared. Right. But, no one was so, like, well, why didn't you tell us you were being abused? It was, why didn't you tell us you were going to tell everybody? Exactly. Yeah. That that became the issue. And mm -hmm. then, you know, and I remember there were even friends of mine who were like, who mm -hmm. had similar experiences um, and who said, listen, I appreciate what you went through, but like, keep me out of your story mm -hmm. or take it. I mean, it was, I mean, it was ugly for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, and then eventually I just took it down and I, I, I put the whole story to bed and like I never played it, never made it public. It's all private. But at one point it was one of those I don't give a F about you kind of moments. Like I mm -hmm. called out everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's exactly how it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, pe people yeah. get focused on it's more important to not be embarrassed mm -hmm. than to not have someone live with the horror and the trauma of being hurt. And it, it was very much. I'm sorry this happened to you. Why did you not tell us? It was it was very much why are you putting this out there like that? Exactly. This is yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. That was all the phone calls you got is I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you put that out there. I can't believe you're talking about this. And that was the trauma. And I was more traumatized by that situation than the original trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was already bad, you know, after you get older and you process it. So, I mean, it's like... It's it's really yeah it's tough. Yeah. yeah. So which which ties ties into you know the tweet you asked me to read right. So what you were talking about you know this idea of um, the church and the pastor the, the, the church and the pastor and and autism and so what I wrote was there needs to be a separation between spirituality religion and mental health care. Mm -hmm. Although support can be found in the realm of religion, in no way mm -hmm. is that a replacement for mental health services, treatment, mm -hmm. or medication that helps people function, maintain healthy and and uh, daily functioning. So, you know, it's it's the same thing, right? With, Anything, with what you're yeah. talking about, mm -hmm. right? Is is you know how how dare you embarrass me, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, you can't. You, you know. You you're. Um, I, I remember, you know, I had, I had postpartum depression and, um, you know, my, my family would come over and it was, it, this is, you know, my children are older and it was, and it was the times, right. Postpartum depression was starting to be a thing and it wasn't quite there. And they'd come over and they open up all of the blinds when my son yeah. was like, you know, a few weeks old and they'd say, it's baby blues, honey, you'll get out of it. It's baby mm -hmm. blues, you know, and that, that shame and the guilt that minimizes uh, what you're feeling too. Mm -hmm. Right. And it and and thinking like like Amy was saying, like 
like I'm not I'm not doing what good moms do there's something yep. that I'm not doing like I'm I'm you know I'm incompetent and I hear my clients talk about these same things or, or Stephen you know they talk about the anger and the re-traumatization that they have toward their parents and their family members who dismissed discounted shamed them mm-hmm. for for coming out with this, this horrible thing happened to me. And, um, and yet I want to have a relationship with my parents, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to cut, I don't want to cut them out of my life. So how do I not, how do I not be angry? And this model of, of, of Judeo-Christian ideology of forgetting or forgiveness, or, you know, looking for those models in the church doesn't always mm-hmm. translate to, working through something and, and not letting it go, but mm-hmm. getting to a place where I can say, I accept what happened to me. And now I need to move forward with both, but with it being part of my narrative, right? Mm-hmm. This is my reality now. Right. I think, I, I think also, you know, kind of the opposite of Steven's situation is you also have those situations where, you know, you talk about it with your family and you're like, you know, you, you get to the point where you go to your parent or whoever it is and you're like, you know, why, why did you do this? Why, mm-hmm. why was it like this? And, and you have these conversations and they're like, oh, I don't remember that. And it's like, to their yes. credit, of course they don't remember it. Like, it didn't traumatize them. It traumatized mm-hmm. you. For them, it was Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't remember it the same way. But that, you know, that dismissiveness to it can really be hurtful because it's like, how can you not remember this? Like, I've remembered this for 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you not remember it? Right. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Mm-hmm. And then I think if you are parenting differently than you were parented in a good way, you know, if you're even, you know, cutting partway into that generational trauma, doing something better than other generations were able to do, you have still done something amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that, you know, you did not have a lot of support um, or, you know, in a lot of cases, proper treatment for your mental illness, you are making absolutely certain the same is not true of your children. Yes. You may not be able to change the biology they inherited, but you are absolutely changing the way that they experience that compared to you. And that's a very good point, Amy. I mean, it doesn't, right. It doesn't take Mm -hmm. a whole lot to change generational trauma. It it Mm -hmm. really doesn't take a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we have it in our heads that it takes like some monumental, like, act or you know something hard but it it really doesn't have to be a lot to change the way the next generation deals mm-hmm. with stuff mm-hmm. yeah that old generational curse kind of discussion that you have and you know but you know in in, in some ways you know it's all in how you look at it you can mm-hmm. say you know the fact that i'm addressing my kids mental illness is a score it's a breaking of the generational mm-hmm. curse mm-hmm. But then you can also say well oh my god am i really i'm just continuing on the generational curse it's like one of these arguments that you just constantly sit down in bed in bed and just beat yourself up like no matter what you do just like you said mm-hmm. um um earlier yeah, when Joel. It's quiet. yeah when it's quiet it's mm-hmm. you know 
it uh, these ruminating thoughts and you're constantly battling your brain because no matter what you say, it's never good enough. Yeah. So. Oh, we were giving you time. <laughs> it's funny because everybody's trying to be so polite and respectful right. and not talk over one another. But no, and then we, we get this dead air. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't need to be civilized in this case. Let's just talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yeah. It's yeah, like, like, you know. I think it like for me, it, you know, it started with um, with my clients of asking like, OK, what's what's one thing that that your care, you know, the people that raised you, whether they were your caregivers or your parents. Right. What's one thing that they did that, it, you know, if you had a magic wand and you wish they could do it differently right? What would it be? And I hear everything from, I just wish, you know, I just wish they told me that they loved me Mm -hmm. or they were proud of me or, um, it's okay to make mistakes. Like sometimes it's, it, it seems like the most complex traumas have a, a, not a simple, right. Or easy, but, but it's a, it's a pretty easy solution. You Mm -hmm. know, if my, if my parents had just said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry this happened to you and I love you so much that that would have, that would have been the, the, mm-hmm. that healing cathartic moment. And mm-hmm. so I think sometimes, you know, working with people of, okay, how do you cultivate that for yourself? Right. Mm-hmm. If you could, when you're ruminating in these thoughts, how could you, you hear your, you know, your parents' voice saying, you know, you know, Joelle, I love you. And, I'm proud of you. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, this thing happened to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and could I use that to help calm some of this anxiety that's driven? Mm -hmm. And that that doesn't mean that, that, that it's has the same weight, right. As as the trauma, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to ask clients and, and ask people, you know, what, what could they have said when you were a child that Mm -hmm. would make, you know, make you seen, because I think people come in and, and they feel so unseen, unvalidated, right? Mm-hmm. And this horrible thing happened to me and I have nobody in my corner. But you know, and sometimes perception is everything too, because they could be in your corner. They just don't know how. I know that one of the discussions we always have as a couple is whether or not her parents are proud of what she's accomplished. And I say, of course, they're proud. It's just how they express it. And I know the expression of it doesn't come out how you think it should in your head. And um, but that doesn't help the way she feels, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of accomplishment. I mean, and, and, and it's just this fatal flaw, though, that like nothing she does is ever good enough. But yeah, I mean, how your parents react to you. Like, I'm sure if maybe if 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 one of her parents would have said, you know what, I am so proud of you overcoming what you've done to accomplish what you've accomplished in a succinct way, never just like, well, cool, kid, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> you know, oh, cool, you made it through. Oh, my God, you're going to be a career student. Um, you know, I think that would have changed. There would have been a game changer in your head, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the other thing, too, with my parents, I mean, it's just my personal experience, is they're raising my nephew. 
And so it's kind of like that joke, like you see the way your parents treat your kids as grandparents and you're like, this is a completely different human than who I was raised by. <laughs> I like, agree. I don't, I don't know this woman. Right. And so I see them raising my, my nephew and, and they're being, they're being close to like what the parents that my brother and I wanted, right? Like, this is what we wanted from you guys. And so it's kind of frustrating in one aspect because it's like, so you could have done that. <laughs> it is possible for you to do this. But the other aspect of it is, is that they've, you know, they're 30 years older than they were when they were raising me. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of knowledge comes with that. Mm -hmm. Joel, I think you wanted to say something. Um... Oh, I just, it, Rebecca, covered it i was gonna say the same thing and and just just and and amy you know i think i yeah. think that to, to amy's point of of you know how do you break the cycle right it's it's doing something your parents didn't do mm -hmm. right so you know we have i think we have we have some people listening who are just listening but one person actually in um, 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 Jessica, do you have any questions for our our guest host or anyone regarding the conversation? Um, if you do, just drop it in the chat chat box and uh, and we'll ask away. Um, you know, while we're still here and um and discussing this matter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so the big one is solutions, right? So we can sit here and moan and complain and about you know things that we can't change see i sound like a person from the 60s now <laughs> uh but i'm not i was born All in 76 bunch of whiners <laughs> the world doesn't owe you things <laughs> and it really doesn't right <laughs> it really doesn't um you know the world is cruel and cold and and that's okay but it also can be warm in community when it's safe spaces so we lean on our we lean on you two to then like then you know what's next? How do you start to and how do you begin to heal from that guilt? And Joelle, um, I'll let you lead off this time, and then Amy will yeah. Um, follow. Yeah, it, 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 it's such a good question from from the guilt of being the parent or having parents that. Oh crap! You can or, go both. Or, or, you can go both or, ways, as they say. Right? You go both ways. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think. I think. Just for from my, you know, from my experience and and professionally, the way that I that that I like to work is that 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 magic wand question, which is okay. Where where do we start? Let's pick one thing, and um, how do we how do we do how do we do parenting different? Right. If if we felt unheard, unseen, dismissed, um, the standards were too high. Right. With from our parents, how do we do that differently with our with our own with our own children? Or if I don't have children, how do I do that for myself? Right. That mm. reparenting. And for me, it's, it comes with this post-traumatic growth component of mm -hmm. of not so what who cares so how do we keep this as part of our narrative and we move forward um, feeling like we're becoming more of a whole person? What's that going to look like for me? Um, and I, for me, that's the place to, to start. Um, 
Because mm. some people, some people don't identify with this, the forgiveness and forgetting model. And, and mm. I, I, you know, and I'm one that doesn't. So what does it mean to hold on to it and say, this is who I am. And yet this doesn't have to be my story anymore. Mm-hmm. So what, what am I going to look like tomorrow? Not, not what is it going to be 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. You know, I struggle with that before you, before we go to you, Amy, like I, mm-hmm. I struggle with that notion of forgiving and forgetting because I'm always told, you know, you have got to forgive so-and-so and you've got, and I'm like, well, you know what? I have forgiven it in a sense, but I don't forget it. And, and in a sense, what I'm saying is, is that you want me to just forgive it and be blind about it. And like, it never happened. I can, I can, I can release it from my soul without being naive in terms of forgiveness like you know i mean you know forgiving not forgetting that's basically what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i can't forget it because it's a horrible thing but i can forgive it to forgive myself that burden from that burden mm-hmm. of carrying that cross down the road because it you know if anyone's carried a box by the time you get to the top of the stairs it's really heavy Mm-hmm. So you don't want to carry that box burden box up multiple flights of stairs. You want to release it. Well, and and the part that I have a problem with with the forgetting is it's like, you know, if if you forget and act like it didn't happen, then like you're leaving yourself open for it to happen again, right? Mm-hmm. Like this happened, I've learned from it. And now it's not going to happen again. But if you just blindly just forget it, like it didn't happen, like then you're not learning from, from the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Amy, short term. I'm sorry. I know. I, I... no, that was great. Um, I think that holding under righteous anger should also be an option. I feel like post-traumatic growth should be an option, but not an expectation. Um, Holding on to righteous anger. Where have yeah. I heard that before? From Amy. From Amy. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Um, sounds That's like me. Great. Yeah, that but is like, great. I think that as long as you're using it. Wait, what just happened? Oh. You're here. That's that righteous anger. I have no idea. My find, phone back. decided to do something. Um, <laughs> it's the phone. The phone is righteously angry at you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a serious moment. Sorry. Okay, it was righteously angry with a good jam, though. So <laughs> yeah. it's all. Um, but like righteous anger, you know, anger turned towards good. Like one important point, especially in personality psychology, there are there is no such thing as a bad trait or a bad personality type. There is only you know using it well in a healthy way or using it in a toxic way. So you can be. You can stay angry if you're doing it in kind of a productive, helpful way that changes something, or at least it doesn't burn you. You turn your anger in the right direction. Hmm. So um, that's valid. And, you know. No, go ahead. I'm listening. And it can be productive. I I love that, Amy. Um, Mm -hmm. It just, I... It makes so it it just mm-hmm. resonates so much yeah. with 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 me or or with clients when I think about mm-hmm. the people that that say this thing happened to me and so I'm going to join a nonprofit mm-hmm. and and I'm going to channel all of this energy that I mm-hmm. have right um, right without having to feel uh, with, without feeling like quote anger is bad and mm-hmm. air quotes right you right. know I, I I love that concept. Mm-hmm. 
And also just, you know, one thing I was thinking about earlier when Joelle was talking about her different ways of helping people see things differently is just the idea of like parallel stories, almost like in a sci-fi novel where, okay, if there was a parallel universe where Stephen and Rebecca had parented George Arthur the way Rebecca was parented, what would he be like now? Versus if he had exactly the same problems he had, but with the parents he actually has now. You know, you know, it's funny, you bring up this very existential sort of really cool question because because I was just telling Rebecca the other day, and not to get really too nerdy on the show, but we were I was talking about my old um physics professor, Professor Rucroft, Mm -hmm. Stephen Rucroft, he's British, and he was given money to study the uh, wormholes uh, Mm -hmm. in the universe and how wormholes potentially are gateways to travel to alternate universes. Mm -hmm. So somewhere, if you bend, you travel around the bend of the universe of this hole, you could essentially find another you Mm -hmm. and another you and another you doing something completely opposite than the you in this existence. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would be wild and trippy to run into Steven in another place. But the other one is, is that if you ran into Steven in another universe, would you even recognize yourself? Mm-hmm. That was also another question. All right, that's enough enough of that. Um, right. But that but like, is, you bring up a very good point. Yeah, kind of like the Sherlock and Moriarty. They are the same person using the same traits very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And you see that in a lot of different movies, especially superhero movies, that whole, we're not so different, you and I. Right. So, you know, how could things have been different sometimes helps you see just how well you actually are doing. Interesting. That's interesting. Do you it helps you realize that, you know, you may be a high functioning sociopath, but you're the Sherlock, not the Moriarty. Yeah. And that's my yeah. whole Sherlock yeah. metaphor. I didn't actually mean that Rebecca's a high functioning sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jessica has said, um, she says, I will say, I think love languages should be as common as the Enneagram. I've been successful going back to my parents as an adult and educating them on how I best experience gratitude and love from them. I think it's very funny that you brought up um, love languages, Jessica, because um, in, when we were first married, we did the whole love languages thing. Mm. And it turned out that we're completely opposite and mm-hmm. they don't match. Um, mm-mm. Mm-mm. But somebody had brought it up in one of my groups and I was like, okay, you know, it's been years since I've done this and I took it again and it changed. It changed from when I was sick. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? To what I want now. Whoa. And Can that you is enlighten the brother, me. please? Like, let me know what this is. <laughs> Stephen's like, why am I the last to be hearing about this? Damn. What right, Amy? Like, why am I the last one to hear this? <laughs> so I thought that was interesting that, like, it, it changed. But well, Pause. What yeah. did it change to? Like, seriously, we need to know. Okay, so when we first got married and I was still very sick, it was, you know, acts of service Right, was very big for me. Um, you mean to tell me all these years I've been trying to use a damn wrench? You know I don't like manual labor. And you know, all the time it's changed? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. So it's kind of a three-way tie, but it's, it's quality time and words of affirmation are mm-hmm. the highest ones. Oh, I do that. Yeah. Oh, that's so, good. Um, Still no, no, no touching. <laughs> no touching. Damn. Don't touch me. Don't touch. 
she still doesn't like touching doesn't matter but um, <laughs> you also bring up a good point jessica because i've heard a lot of people also talk um when they're talking about their children to to have your children take that test um you know to find out and if, if it's not love languages to, to just have a conversation with your children and find out how best can i show you how I feel, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how, mm -hmm. how do you want me to show you that I think you're a good person and that I love mm -hmm. you? You know, how does that work in your head? Because we might be doing it completely wrong for them. We should have the boys do it and let them know the results. I'm very interested that. to have them do it. <laughs> yeah, we should. But ladies, what do you say to that? This feels like this ladies night in Steven. Like, this is like, <laughs> <laughs> what is that show I... that used to come on the TV with the one black dude who lived in the house with all the white women? What show was know. that? What show was that? <laughs> um, oh man, what was the name of that show? Uh, Designing women, or oh yes, designing women. <laughs> yes. Designing women. Yeah, that's what I, I was... remember that stupid show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm him right now. <laughs> All right, go ahead, ladies. <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I'm so I'm so glad you you read this because I was reading it and was going to say something. So thanks, Jessica. Um, you know, I think it's interesting to have the conversation of how do I want to receive love, but also how do I give love? Mm -hmm. Because because I don't give love in the same way that I want to receive it. Um, Ooh. And it and do so, explain. So, pause on that for a second. Pa pause what on that. You, so what do you mean, yeah, Joelle? So I am a gift giver. I show I show love and affection, but you know, hey, I got you this treat. Hey, I saw this shirt. Hey, I you know, um, that that is the way that I show love. Um, you know, my children don't necessarily receive love that way you know they Ooh. want they want time they want um conversation they you know that's how they receive love and so there are some times where you know i'm giving presents and i'm like oh, why are you being ungrateful <laughs> <laughs> right joel i'll take right? an hermes belt any day like are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm talking about a lollipop, man. Oh, <laughs> darn. <laughs> That's interesting. So, so it's really interesting. And then it's the same thing when I'm doing couples work where, you know, people are, are they're, they're communicating, but they're not, right? They, it's like, well, how you give love and how you receive love. So I, I like to, you know, give gifts. It's, it's how I show affection and love, gifts and words of affirmation. Um, but I don't, I'm not a gift person. That's not how I feel loved. I feel loved when somebody spends time with me and, and, you know, they, they talk with me and, and we can go the quality time. Right. And, and the same thing, acts of service. It's like, oh, you did the dishes. Thank you so much. It's, you were thinking of me. And so it's really interesting that the way I want to want love and the way I give it is totally different. That is interesting. That, that is, is interesting. interesting. You make, it's funny because I never really thought about it until you said something. I'm a gift giver and I tend to find that I get my feelings hurt a lot when I give people gifts because they don't react the way mm -hmm. that I think they should. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, since we're just airing our dirty laundry out across the damn globe, let me just tell you, I can say, wow, honey, this is really cool. Like, how much how much did this cost? Because I'm just who I am. She goes, well, fine, if you don't like it, I'll just send it yep, back. I'll just take it back. I'll just take it back. 
<laughs> it's like don't question anything just do a backflip and yep. we'll, we'll find yep yeah no it's true i it's... love that you said that it's so true it's so true <laughs> Especially when you have apathetic teenagers. <laughs> they're right? never happy about anything. It's like, look what I got you. And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's what I was into yeah. last week. Keep right, up. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Yeah. But to, to Jessica's point, it, that's, that's such a fascinating conversation. Now that I have, my children are now young adults, right? We're, we're actually able to have those conversations. And yet I've, I've never strayed to have that conversation with my parents. And, and I just love that suggestion, Jessica, like, you know, I, I want my parents to say, Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, you did a good job. Hey, we listened to your podcast and you know, whatever. Right. Like I, but, but there's something that feels really scary to me to take that next step and have the conversation with them, Mm -hmm. even as a, even as a grown up, Right. You know, you talk about, I mean, this is very nuanced because it's the same way. My mother will say something to me like, man, you just are advocating like you and your wife are advocating doing a lot of things, but she'll never really comment on the show. She glosses over it. Like she acts like it doesn't exist. She acts like it doesn't. Yeah. You know, you guys are just advocating and talking about a lot of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, why don't you ask me a more direct and poignant question? Did you hear something? Did you, I don't even think she listens. I don't, I don't think she, I don't think she listens. I don't think, you know what I mean? Cause she's just like, she's so passive about it. Yeah. You know? And she's just, because you know, for her, you know, she doesn't even like Facebook. You know, people out there putting their business on Facebook, but they won't pick up the phone and call one another. That's kind of how she thinks, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's true. It's, it's, it, it is complex. Um, but seriously, when it comes to, you know, you know, the love language, mine Mm -hmm. is still touching and cuddling. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. Physical affection. Physical Mm -hmm. affection is, it's been that way since I was a kid. I was dinged for it in elementary school because teachers said I'd always come put my head on their shoulder Mm -hmm. and they thought that was inappropriate. And I'm like, what planet you're on? I was so mad at some of my teachers for that. Mm -hmm. That became on a report card. He's very affectionate. Like, well, uh, I mean, it wasn't like inappropriate. I didn't walk up and touch her, you know, a private part or something. But like, I just like to like lay my head on like my, you know, my teacher's shoulders. And, and that's just who I, but it's the same thing even now. Like I'm an affectionate person. Like um, I give hugs even to clients. I mean, I'll ask them though. I'm like, okay, well, you are, have to now, are right? we fist bumping or is it okay to hug? And they're like, I'm a hugger and it's okay. We'll hug. Um, but you know, I much prefer that than formality any Mm -hmm. day. I don't know what I'll do if I ever have to meet the queen or, you know, you know, and I have to curtsy or something. They they are going (laughs) to. Yeah. Or not curtsy, but bow. They're going to body slam you if you hug the queen. Exactly. (laughs) I'd want to give her a big warm hug. You know, (laughs) you know, even, even Charles and his, uh, and, and princess consort. Uh, or yeah, I think that's what it's called. Camilla. Camilla? I'd want to, I want to hug them. I'd want to hug them. I'm all into royal family though. I love them, but forget the formalities. Like I just want to hug them and, and, and squeeze them tight. And maybe I'm just Southern that way. I have no idea. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, how did we get off in this rabbit hole? Jessica. Jessica, Thank you, Jessica, with the love languages thing. 
Um, but it's true. So it's still that. But I, you know what? It's so funny with her. You know, we our feet can touch in the bed, and that's good enough for me to go to sleep. But if we had to do it old school, you know, what like they took the twin bed and separated it, I probably <laughs> would have. I'd, I'd have a sleep problem. I would never, never be rested. Mm-hmm. Like on the Dick Van Dyke show or something. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, they were on opposite sides of the room. <laughs> or I Love Lucy when they first mm-hmm. came on the air. They they. I don't even think they even showed them in a bedroom. And when they did, it was it was separate beds. Mm-hmm. I think they even yeah, I watched the I Love Lucy, I Love Lucy story too again, mm-hmm. just to refresh my memory. But anyway, we're getting off on a tangent. But no, it's it's definitely um, it, love languages are are definitely interesting. And it, and I guess probably for you two, um, seeing couples or seeing um, you know with different love languages, like how do you reconcile that? Like, and I used to ask that to our therapist, like when we first were learning that she had bipolar, mm-hmm. like, how do you reconcile these love languages? And she had a good strategy. I think her strategy at the time was, it was, no, I think it was, it was that I, you, you have to allow me to have a few minutes of cuddle time and I have to find at least one project a week to do for you. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was her solution then. I don't remember. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're having a conversation and they're sitting there like, okay, so what do you want us to say about that? Your therapist <laughs> already took care of it. Seems <laughs> a little they... concrete, but as long as you get the idea, give the other person what they want, yeah. express love how they want to hear it, you should be okay. I think, like we said, it's important, it, it's interesting and important to know that for your kids, but it's mm-hmm. definitely important to know, you know, how your partner wants to, you know, how they accept love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, and go ahead, Joel. Oh, sorry. I was and I was just going to add. You know, being mindful if somebody has mental illness, you know, components to to part of their day to day, or if somebody's struggling with with trauma and and PTSD, it, those are important questions to know. You know mm-hmm. how how do how how do I show you love and affection? Right. Mm-hmm. What's safe? What's safe for you? You know, so many times we we forget that what feels safe for one person can be triggering for the other. Mm-hmm. That That's is true. very true. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. That is a very good point. Well, OK, well, we're wrapping up. We can ha- we could probably go on for two hours. But unlike <laughs> when we used to record this mm-hmm. and then I would pro- and then record it um, or process it and I could split it up. Now it's all one show because I'm not mm-hmm. going to take the extra time. So we'll, laziness. I know. We'll, Good we'll boundary, Stephen. Ex- <laughs> thank you, Joel. I've learned a lot since you've been in my life. <laughs> boundaries. That's it. That is just it. Uh, why don't you two, Amy, you lead off this time. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone out here in the world all over. I think we're actually up to like 77 or 78 countries. I didn't cool. update our, but um, why don't you just tell everyone, you know, and, and hey, if you're listening, please share this show with not only people with mental illness, but also the caregivers or people in the family, because mm-hmm. I hope we can impart something um, in the lives of everyone. Um, but why don't you go ahead and tell everyone how they can find you, Amy? And of course, and then Joelle, and then um, of course, in the description, we'll drop all your links like we always do. Yeah. Okay. So my website is um, 
www.audeotherapy.com, A-U-D-E-O therapy. That's Latin for I dare, just because it takes like stone cold nerve to really start working on a mental illness and therapy. So just respect for the courage of the people I work with. Um, Twitter and Instagram is um, at Audeo Therapy. And then LinkedIn is just my name. And then um, I have a book on bipolar, actually for the families of people with bipolar out. And that's at uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, bookshop.org, which is a nice place to buy things if you want to support local bookstores. That's and by the way, it. we do... We do have the cover of your book with a link how to order on, on, our, our, website. on our website as well. I saw that. Thank you. Podcast.com. I appreciate right, it. Oh, and, you know, and, any, anytime, and, Joelle. And it's a good one. Just shout out to Amy. It's it's a great book. And in fact, I Thanks. started prescribing it to, to clients. Um, Thank you. It's my name. You're welcome. Uh, it's my name, Um com and www. And uh Twitter, it's Joel Rabel Melitas Therapy. I think Instagram's the same, Joel Rabel Melitas Therapy. Um, and we've got a great, we've got a great team and um, some new projects in the works. I have a trauma journal coming out that I'm nice. writing with Switch Research, which is attached to the University of British Columbia. And I hope you're so, coming back to promote that, right? Will, I, will we I get am, you on? Okay. I am. I am. Okay. When, 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 yes, we're, we're in the production stages of it, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so, and feel free to, to DM, email us, you know, we're always happy to point people to, to great resources, services like Amy and, and, um, and this podcast and help out where we can. And actually Joelle, she, I don't know if you know this, but on our homepage, we actually have your Ted talk that we that oh. you gave yeah we we <laughs> put you. that up there as well oh absolutely we and um so for everyone out there listening joelle and amy have been like just really cool supporters and friends and now our guest co-hosts and so from and some time to time as their schedule permits they are going to do shows with us so um i thought this was a good opportunity to actually just you know officially have them on and talk and just um you know reintroduce everyone to the world but if you've been listening to the show you are already know these two like mm -hmm. they've been on and uh and have spread information throughout the world and you know we really enjoy hearing stories from you and you and you when you tell us that somehow what we did helped you in some way and that's our goal and as in coach p said hashtag stories over stigma and that's our goal is to keep telling stories, just keep telling them so that it becomes as routine as talking about losing a tooth. You know, in society, people always like talk about wraparound services mm -hmm. and they talk about mental health services needing to be integrated in multiple verticals within our society. But mm -hmm. this is the way it happens when people just understand that these are real people with lived experiences. Honey, do you want to say anything as we close? I think you hit all the, all the, big one uh, why don't you tell everyone what the song of the week is ladies we would normally ask you for the song but this week rebecca said oh i have a song so um <laughs> thank you for hanging out with us and um and we'll see you soon i know we have a leo show coming up uh joelle uh for yeah. law enforcement and amy we need to talk about what we're going to do even in the fall for the summit or what yeah. we want to do what you want to do in the summertime or before we close for season three um so sounds great all right, so go ahead, honey. Uh, the song of the week is Two Moons by Boy With A Uke. 
All right, everyone. Have a great week. You too. Bye, Joelle. Bye, Bye, Amy. for listening to another week of Bipolar Girl. In the words of Grammy Award-winning artist from Africa, Amou Sangari, who I absolutely love, Confico, the uncertainty of things. You know, living with a mental illness or living with someone with a mental illness can be uncertain at times. But that's why we do this show. We do this show to create community and a place where you can express yourself and get knowledge. Right, honey? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason we have the show, right? Though, again, things might be uncertain, you can be certain that we're here for you. Godspeed, and have a great week.
Johnny Cabo, 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 Cabo,